Because has Lucas Bratage's opportunity gone? No chance. There's push to pass being used by the ERT racing car now. He's going to have to go around the outside coming through 130. Can he get it oh. done? Oh, no. The turn is gone. Welcome back to Cadwell Park for the continuation of the Caterham Racing Weekend. Out, uh, there's a qualifying session going on, but right here in the holding area is the Bill Seen Caterham 7 310R Championship. Never mind. Time to get race number one underway. We know what this sequence means. It is time to wind them up and let them play for it and let them go. Who is going to have a storm? He's, oh my goodness, Stepanovsky had a cracking start. Would have actually, no, they're not quite in the top 10 uh, shootout yet. But we are very, very close. <laughs> We're only about 13,000 from Dan Danny Beresnay's uh, top 10 uh, time and yep ron har is on it again indeed welcome everyone back to commentators corner for episode number three and i could not forget about this particular individual my uh, comrade in arms the one the only you know him as king kodiak but i more commonly know him as chris buxton mr buxton a very very big hello to you good sir dan in somerset how are you buddy you keeping well I am keeping well. Yes, good and happened. Mine fine, as I tend to try and introduce myself. I, yes, yes. The, the, the amount of time, yeah, the amount of times we get either good morgen, good nachmittag, good abend, und yeah. dann danke sehr, uh, quite a bit. <laughs> but um, Chris is now our third illustrious guest on here. You might know his voice from the likes of Simsport Racing, GTR 24H, uh, Virtual GP. So we have to give a big shout out to our good friend over in the Czech Republic. Lukash Redl, who is one of the guys that steers the ship. And obviously you have to say a big hello to one of your good buddies over the other side of the pond, Mr. Justin Sutton, if memory Mr. serves me correctly, Sutton. because he's your, uh, well, he works alongside you with that as well. Um, Chris, firstly, I want to take you back to as far as your memory will uh, hopefully mentally allow it that's not, a, that's not a long journey <laughs> <laughs> probably longer than uh most but not <laughs> but a bit shorter than others um can you remember the first time you ever went to a motorsport event in real life forgetting you know because we'll get on to sim racing as part of this conversation in a little while yes i can remember the first time i went to a major uh, motorsport event. It was Silverstone 2018. Would you oh. believe it was as long? I'd actually done commentary before I'd ever attended a motorsports event. Uh, it actually okay. came about because of my commentary, and there's a, there's a story there if we have time for it. Oh um, yes, we've got time. Don't worry about that. <laughs> Don't worry about that well, at all. Where my commentary journey began was May 2016. Okay, uh, I. Uh, I just started my YouTube channel. I was dabbling in making videos for Project Cars 1 because mm -hmm. I was a big fan of P-Cars 1 and P-Cars 2. Still am, really. Yeah. Just clutching on to the memories. Um, <laughs> let's, let, let's not mention the third instalment. Um, no. Not for this program, I think you would uh, agree. Uh, unfortunately, not PC, I'm afraid, my good man. We'll have that talk off air, of course. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yes. Um, so yeah, I'd started making videos for, for PCARS 1 and I was posting on the Slightly Mad Studios forums. And in those forums, I saw a post by an admin over at Apex Online Racing who was advertising a new league for PCARS 1 starting up. And I'd kind of thought about, oh, I wonder how would they get into commentary? And like I said, it was 2016, so it was coming up six years ago this year. Right. Um, and I'd, I'd done, um, I had a radio show in my town, my hometown here in Somerset. Um, I'd done that for a while, met Jensen Button, actually got to interview him, which was a fabulous experience. Mm -hmm. And, um, but that had come to an end. And I kind of, I, I got a bit of a bug for presenting in some way shape or form and i thought well, i wonder how i'm going to get into commentary i tried to contact my local circuits which is castle Coombe and thruxton and roughly equidistant between the two yeah um but of course i had no no experience in anything other than this little insignificant show about formula one <laughs> that would happen on a saturday afternoon that's why i stopped doing it because it was it would just ruin the weekend really two, half yeah. past two on a saturday afternoon 
let's face it, we've all got better things to do than listen to some useless idiot on a radio show. So yeah, most people uh, will probably be down the pub having a couple of pints at the very least. <laughs> so um, I say I saw this post advertising this Formula Renault league that was starting at AOR, and I thought, oh, sim racing—that's that's an idea for me to try um, commentary. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I I went across to their forums and I found the section of the forums that this league related to and got in touch with them and said, look, I, you know, I haven't done this before, but I've done you know, a radio show. I, I've got a customer service background, which you know, I've spent most of my working life in. Yeah. So that's where my kind of training in vocal presentation comes from. Mm-hmm. And very much the rest is history. I, I still remember my very first commentary um i had to smile when you and jack mentioned your very first commentaries and the fact that you just can't go back over them and i cannot stomach i don't mind listening to my own voice i'm not a, an yeah. ego man by any stretch yeah it's not a case of it's not like I, I thrive on my own voice i'm not that way shape or form at all uh but i oh god i just cringe when i listen to my very first commentary yeah, just be just because, and and you'll appreciate this, Alex. That yes, you come so far in the journey that you you kind of forget where you started, and of course, li- you're going back over the oh god, how did I get anywhere? How did anybody hire me after that? Um, <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> I was I remember it was it was Silverstone uh, for these Formula Renaults. I was exhausted at the end of it. I was utterly knackered because. Yep. Again, as you'll appreciate, the, the amount of focus and just intensity that doing live commentary actually demands, it's, it, it does take it out of you. And I, I obviously doing the radio show, that's all pre-planned. That's all scripted. Mm-hmm. So yeah. there's no, you, you, of course, reading from a script and I can, I can talk to the cows come home. I could then and obviously can continue to do so now. <laughs> like myself, of course. <laughs> but um yeah, doing live stuff like that, I had no idea what I was letting myself in for. I, I was exhausted after the first one, but I was hooked, absolutely hooked. And I, I mm-hmm. thought, right, this is where I want to go. And and it's led me on quite an amazing journey and hopefully will continue to do so. Well, of course, apart from like being on GTR 24H, you've worked with the SimGrid run by Dave Perel, a virtual GP where you've uh, had the opportunity to commentate on uh, a couple of well-known names from uh, Eastern Europe that are really in the forefront in sim racing. One of course is uh, Yaroslav Honsik, the man, AKA known as Jardier, the most smiley, happiest sim racer, I think, going off across the planet. Martin Stefanko, who is now with Williams Esports these days. Um, so you've got uh, Michael Schmidl, has also, yep. uh, he's been running with Team Redline these days, if memory serves me correctly. Correct, uh, yep. You've also done F1 Esports uh, Challengers as well. You've even done F1 Esports alongside Matthew Gallagher from WTF1. Um, if memory serves me correctly. Well, I, I don't know if it was quite, F, not quite, not but I quite. want you to expand on this. Please <laughs> I do. have worked with, uh, with Mr. Gallagher, a fantastic opportunity that was that spawned from doing challenges. Right. Um, the, me and Justin were the original, ju- uh, challenges pairing. Um, Kieran now has that spot in place of me. And, um, that opportunity came about. I was contacted by um, her name escapes me, but it was a it was a member of the production team from Gfinity, whose arena the live esports events it takes place yeah. in mm-hmm. um, in London. And I was asked to do a one off exhibition. It was uh, basically for professionals in the industry, so it wasn't a public facing event. Right, uh, but it happened along whilst all the F1 esports drivers were still in the area, because of course it, F1 esports, being a global brand, attracts drivers from hither and everywhere. So we still had, you know, Tina Nakarin and you know Marcel Kiefer and all the names that we know and recognise. Yeah, mm-hmm. they were in the area, so they'd arranged to do this exhibition race, and I was asked to go down there and and you know commentate alongside Matt Gallagher and. Um, I, I was like, yes, <laughs> let me have it. You know, uh, mm-hmm. traveling to, to London was 
uh, I, I'm I'm a nervous traveller at the best of times. So going yes. by coach to London because I was not driving into London. I'll tell you that much um, was an experience. But um, yeah, it was brilliant. I loved it. Absolutely loved it. Um, I would happily do it again. I haven't had the chance to work with Matt again. You know, his mm-hmm. meteoric rise in the you know Formula One journalistic circles is 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 huge. Well, he's been. So, I mean, recently he's been commentating alongside Alex Jakes and Alex mm. Brundle and Rosanna Tennant. I think um, mm. at Biggin Hill at FOM uh, F1 headquarters there. But uh, of course, your sim racing commentary has led you on to uh, having the fortuitous opportunity of actually being able to commentate at a circuit. Now, we do have to give a shout out to a very, very well-known circuit commentator who is also just so happens to be the official voice of the NASCAR Whelan Euro Series, a certain Mr. Mark Werrell. Now, um, we need to give people the 411 or the situation, as you more might commonly know in it, if I'm talking in area codes from the United States, well... I, met, I mentioned NASCAR, even though it's Euro Wheeling Series, there's a bit of Americana in there, so why the hell not? Um, now, you and I talked about this at great length, but we want to give people out there um, the opportunity for people to tell their story. So please elaborate, my good sir. How the circuit racing came about. Well, that was my original destination. Well, I'll rephrase that. When I very first started commentary, I had one target in mind, and that was actually Rocket League esports. I loved the Rocket League esports scene at the time. But it was becoming clear that you have to be in America to really hit it big as far as production and presenting in the Rocket League scene is concerned. And I was becoming an established name in the F1 esports scene, so it was... It was a bit of a gut wrench because I, like I said, I desperately wanted to do it, but it was never going to happen. I did get a few chances again with Gfinity to commentate on some of the, um, some of the big names as they were rising through the ranks. So that was uh, that was a, a nice opportunity for me to do. So I have done a bit of Rocket League commentary, uh, but I had to kick that into touch just because the opportunity in Formula One was rising, um, and I wanted to be. I wanted to be on that, on its ascendancy, which absolutely I was. But I then started to think, I want to try and take this to the track. I wanted to do circuit side commentary. So in tail end of, I've got to get my dates right here, tail end of 2019, (laughs) my timing could not have been worse. Um, I start doing the, the obligatory carpet bomb emailing of every single club I could possibly find of, hi, this is me, this is my show reel, please give me a job, in slightly rephrased English, but you get the idea. Yeah. Um, And, of course, what happened March 2020? I was like, I could not have picked a worse time to do this. So, um, yeah, of course, the world shut down. So I was like, well, there went that idea then. But I got contacted in July of 2020. So when the very first lockdown was beginning to lift and motorsports was coming back into the public domain, mm-hmm. uh, albeit behind closed doors, yeah. Mark Merrill contacted me and said, yeah, seeing what you can do, um, interested in giving you a try. Here's a clip. Um, I want you to commentate on this piece of footage. And it was a clip of Radical SR1's at Donington Park. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, here's some uh, pages from the TSL timing page, which when I very first looked at it, mind boggled. I was like, I have no idea what I'm looking at. Now I've spent a lot of time since then looking at various time sheets for, for them. But he, in this context, is the main commentator coordinator for the classic sports car club. Now I do have an appreciation for classic machinery, which is 100% my brother's fault as when we were growing <laughs> up. Bear in mind, my brother is seven years older than I am. I was uh, going to say elder or younger brother. Well, he I is elder. Thought... Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he is seven years my senior. So when he was learning to drive, um, you know, when he was 16, 17, starting to get to the point of learning to drive, I was of course, you know, 9, 10, 11, and his first cars were Mark II Escorts. 
So from a, a relatively early age, I would I, I wouldn't be interested to know how to fix them. That was his job. That was very much his domain. <laughs> Still is. He's got some. He's done up some wonderful classic cars uh, in the last decade or so. But that's where you know an appreciation of the classic machinery came from. So to have an opportunity to work with a, such an established club as the CSCC, I thought I can't miss this. Um, so the very same day, <laughs> and. Uh, you know, I got this. Um, I got this. I happened to have the house to myself. Uh, my wife and my children were out somewhere. I was like, you know, now you know, strike while the iron's hot. And Mark even said to me, you know, take your time, don't rush it. I was like, I want to do it. Give me, I want to do it. Um, so I looked over the notes. I asked him a couple of questions um, to do with you. Know, what does this mean and things like that. Um, and I then did the piece and i still remember it's only a four minute segment it was the the end of the rolling lap first two laps and then it ends and you see one person spin off and i was you know i, I knew i had to do it as live so i didn't watch the footage first um but i did um make some notes on who was in what car the the as you'll appreciate normal preparation yeah. you would go through exactly uh, for circuit psychometry so um I, I then did it and I remember I was in absolute full flight um, the leaders had just come through the old hairpin for the second time and the video just end, ended whilst I was mid you know mid sentence so like, yeah here they are starting another lap oh <laughs> just literally how the sentence ended <laughs> and even then in my recordings ah like, oh, caught me out Kodiak um, caught off in his cut off in his tracks <laughs> in full flow uh, it, I mean, I, I mean, to be honest with you, just hearing that story and saying, you know, you were like a kid in, you're like a Brahma bull in a china shop, a kid oh, in a yeah. candy store, all the, all the Freudian slips that we could throw at that. <laughs> but, you know, yeah. as you said, when you have to do that kind of audition and you want to do it live, you know, you were very eager to prove your worth. And, and that just goes to show that from a commentator perspective, sometimes it is about being in the right place at the right time with the right people. And now I'm going to give a little bit of a history lesson for those people out there about how I got into European commentary. Well, firstly, I have to give a shout out to Chris McCarthy for this one, because he was the one that phoned me two weeks before the event. I remember driving to Kartingenk in Belgium, April, 20, April 20th, 2018. That's why I still remember the weekend because it was the breakthrough weekend I had in Europe. And I remember when you when you said about your first commentary, I remember my first European commentary, like every single detail. I remember doing every warm-up session, practice session, qualifying session, qualifying heats, all three of them for all the classes. I didn't have a I had a 20-minute break, absolutely stone dead exhausted at the end of the day and i got asked <laughs> if i wanted to do the rest of the season whilst trying to have a swig of my beer and i nearly spat it over the bloke who's asking me the question mike <laughs> wagner um but thanks to mike i'm now uh on the ver i mean i've now uh, at the point of recording this um we do have to wish someone a very happy but happy 42nd birthday in just a second anyway someone who you've already mentioned um but I had 9% on my phone at the time, which at the particular moment was an iPhone 5S. And I looked at my calendar and I said, yeah, I can do it. Not a problem at all. So I have to thank Chris McCarthy and Mike Wagner for helping me get into it. And as you said, I was completely spent. I, I, had, I, had, a, I had the drink at, at the track. We then drove 10 minutes to Zutendal to Hotel Monica, which is where, where I've been Wherever, whenever we go to Genk is where we normally stay, and that's going to be carrying on uh, in 2022. But I remember going to bed at 9.30. I was that, well, it was probably more like 11.30, but I felt like it was 9.30 in the <laughs> evening after the day I'd had. Um, and as you said, the the emotion, the, the serotonin, the endorphins that you're getting, you know, that good release chemical that hits your brain um, really, really does work. And so we'll now get back to your story because I wanted to give people a little bit of a, an idea from my perspective so I can relate exactly to where Chris and mm. where George and, and, and Jack have come from. Um, when, so when you had that full throw, that Kodiak full flow cutoff moment, mm -hmm. what was your first thought? Be honest here, without swearing, of course. 
when so <laughs> it's a bit more of the story there so when that video stopped i was i was honestly in absolute full flow adrenaline running <clears throat> yeah and I, I even said oh that caught me out and i just kept the recording going and the next part or the other part of what mark had asked me to do is filling in so you you know imagine you've got a red flag scenario and you've got to fill the void um, which is ironically not what tends to happen. You tend to throw to a holding screen. But in the situation that you've got to bring up something to fill in for a stoppage of some description. Yeah. Um, and I went with, um, uh, you know, if you're interested in, in joining this club, you know, the, the details of, of the Radical SR ones can be found here. So I was advertising the club. I'm very yeah. much, I've always been of the opinion during my entire sim racing career and trackside, well, I, what I hope to be as a career, but my, my comment, one of my kind of commentary ethos is, is I'm, I'm commentating, I'm representing the organization. I'm not representing me. The, you know, I'm not commentating on, the, the Kodiak Cup, for instance. Um, yeah. You know, I am representing, I'm representing SSR. I'm representing VGP. So mm. whatever I can do to advertise or to promote them or the races, either racers or the races, whatever, that's what I'm there to do. I'm there to inform, but entertain. The entertainment bit, well, of course, that's subjective, but, you know, there are lots of people that seem to like what I do. So, I, I, yeah. yeah, I got, I just have... I'm not very good at the whole, oh, look at me, I'm wonderful scenario. Again, that kind of comes back to what I was saying earlier. I'm not an egotistical person at exactly. all. I'm not very good at the whole self-promotion thing. Never have been. I'm never likely to be. You know, one mm. thing I don't have is an ego. Um, but I've always had the ability to talk to people. Um, knew that from an early age, early in my working lifetime. I'm not one that can build things. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not one that services machines or cars or what have you. I, I deal with people. So that ability translates obviously directly into commentary because you need that vocal presentation skill to keep an audience, uh, to keep an audience uh, uh, interested in what you're talking about. One of the most difficult commentaries, and it very much proves the point that, that I'm saying, is one that me and Justin did uh, of Formula One challenges two years ago, I think it was. Um, three quarters of an hour of no racing at all. Uh, it was for Xbox. Can't remember which round it was. Mm. But every time they tried to launch the lobby, the lobby failed. Uh, it wasn't ah. Codemaster's fault. That was just something had gone horribly wrong somewhere in the hierarchy. And of course, me and Justin are the ones that are on the front line, so to speak. And we mm. we both acknowledged after the broadcast had stopped that we had absolutely run out of stock. And you'll <laughs> understand what I mean by stock. Just things yeah. you have in your mind to refer to. And you gain with that with the experience. Mm -hmm. um, you you have an understanding of the people, the cars, the track, whatever. Uh, you, you have a, an element, you have an amount of things you can talk about when either the action's just a little bit more settled or in the event of a stoppage. And we'd absolutely run out. We both acknowledged that we were about to talk about each other's breakfasts if we'd had to carry on. <laughs> so it so, so whether being... Justin had a granola or you had a full English, that kind of thing. <laughs> we would have ended up talking about food because ironically, whenever me and Justin get together to do something for VGP, yeah. we always end up, well, I usually start the conversation off about some kind of food difference between the States and the UK. It ends up it, being... It's, yeah, I know, because I've seen a lot of those <laughs> videos on YouTube where they go like Subway UK and <laughs> yeah. then Subway USA, and then it's sort of like <laughs> Kentucky Fried Chicken or Burger King or Mackie D's or whatever. So, um, yeah, which is quite random. But the thing is, is mm. that away from motorsport, I try... Um, I try and look at interesting topics and it doesn't matter what the topic has to be about. Okay. If it food, if it's food, it helps, you know, a little <laughs> bit of a creature comfort, especially when you're having to try and get on a health kick uh, again after the Christmas and new year period, which is not, and it's not the new year, new me. It's actually start, something I started doing last year because I went back to the gym for the first time in three years and I've actually felt a benefit from it. Um, so, right, we're now going to come to the conclusion of the story reference because 
with regards to red flags, everyone has their own different opinion. Mm -hmm. Like say with regards to Euro Trophy or BNL karting series, for me, I normally tend to stop talking at a red flag. And the reason being, so I want to make sure that I pay, I'm respecting what the marshals, the medical team, everyone is doing. And when I get an update, then I update people directly, which is how I work. However, if it's a bit different when you've got a red flag at a circuit, the thing is, is that I know pretty much everybody in the paddock on those two karting mm -hmm. championships. So they understand my style and I've already. And the thing is, because I have an input into the broadcast and I go, why don't you say something? It's like, there's nothing to say, because if I start going over stuff that's coming up, I'm going to. And they went, why don't you. And like we we had a discussion like saying practice sessions. What? It, and like I did commentary for the for the whole of the practice sessions for the first year of the Euro trophy. And then I found out I was running out of things to say. Mm. And then you have to strategize on where the key strengths are in order to make sure that your commentary comes over as effective as humanly possible. Um, so after doing those two videos, uh, recording them effectively live, as you said, um, what was the feedback from Mark, first of all? Because I understand that you ended up... Uh, You've made a couple of trips. You you went to Cadwell Park. You saw the mountain. And this that, is where... Well, that wasn't CSCC, but yes, no. I have been to Cadwell Park. You've been to Cadwell Park. You've been to Snetterton. The reason being is that before I get everything ready and I hit record, I normally have a social media page up for every single individual. So don't forget, if you want to follow Chris, you can head to his official Twitter link which is down in the description below. So please give him a follow. Get interactive with King Kodiak UK or Mr. Buxton. Um, but there's also some really, really... Now, we both love a little bit of banter. And there's always great things when you do a bit of a misdirectional sentence. What <laughs> I mean by that is you, you say one thing and then it's a case of whether the other person's brain clicks into gear so i'm going to take a couple of examples which is and the first one is january the 8th this year and chris tweeted i'm actually racing tonight well i say racing <laughs> i'll be on the track with others trying not to be lapped too many times all are welcome that's the first one uh january the 7th setting up for some vr nonsense uh, I think one of the best ones, uh, which I, I, I thought was um, January the 12th. And now for something completely disastrous. Oh, I mean different. You know, it's that's what I class by a misdirectional sentence. And you are, <laughs> you, you're nodding away uh, and smiling like the Cheshire cat from Alice in Wonderland because you know exactly what I'm coming on to here, Chris. It, the thing is, is that as commentators, we have a certain cadence, a certain tone, but then we can always um, expand and elongate what we're talking about, can't we? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's, again, a skill that you know, good commentators have. They have the ability to use their, their natural presence, their natural style to be able to you know, envelop the audience in what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. But equally... Um, like you say, just expand upon that, do slightly s throw a curveball in there. Mm -hmm. um, but playing still to the strengths or the, the, the style of humor that best suits that particular individual. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's funny you mentioned those particular tweets from January. Well, <laughs> we're still in January, but uh, yeah. We when, are. Um, yeah, for the, those only ones. A bit of a story, bit of a story. I have many of them. Um, <laughs> so do I. <laughs> But do tell, do tell, good sir. We have, but the, um, the, the, the thing is about commentators' corner is that there is no specific time limit. So Chris and I could be doing this for two hours, but we're not gonna, we're not gonna <laughs> torture you people for that that long time. So normally, uh, an episode for commentators' corner will normally be half hour to forty five minutes. So the real reason for this is that because. Our voices are normally heard on broadcast, but I wanted to make sure that I got not just people that I've worked with, but good friends as well uh, to come on with this. Because at the end of the day, we we can wax lyrical about what series we've covered, 
who we've who we've interviewed. Yes, I've interviewed, uh, and I'm going to say this now: Happy 42nd birthday to one, Mr. Jensen Alexander Lyons Button. I think that is his full name. Who is funny enough from Froman Somerset, which is where Chris currently resides. Uh, Jensen being the 2009 Formula One world champion with Braun GP, and they won the Constructors' Championship that year as well. And he's also the 2018 Super GT GT500 championship uh, champion with regards to Honda Team Kunimitsu, and also currently is in his um, racing endeavours as a historic racer. He has started doing historic racing and also he's one of the guys behind Radford Motors, which also incorporates the likes of uh, uh, a few people that you might know. Maybe one guy that probably is very recognisable, an ex-Wheeler Dealers guy, because obviously now Elvis X McLaren F1 is now with Mike Brewer these days. Uh, as Ant Arnstead that is with Jensen Button these days. And also Jensen just so happens to be a special advisor to Williams F1, who brought him into Formula One back in 2000. Uh, and that was in the number 10, FW22. We have to give a shout out to Alexander Albon, who got himself stuck in the car, trying to wish Jensen a happy 42nd birthday, and then realised how wide his shoulders were, his, his, uh, his shoulders were, and also how small the steering wheel is. So well done, Alex. Great way to impress Jensen Button before you start working with him at Grove. <laughs> but that's the thing, you know, we, we have all these random bits and pieces, but that's why social media is so great. I mean, uh, yes, there is the, the toxicity of, the, uh, of that side of social media, which is something we will never discuss here on this platform at all at Commentator's Corner. We have to look at the funny bits, but... Um, yeah, I think realistically, Chris, after you sent those videos off to to Mark, what was what were his first what was his first set of reaction? What was his response to you? Because I, yes. I I've I've I, I know I've interviewed Mark and I've also had the chance to talk to him on many an occasion as well. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> I still remember it well. His his first re response uh, was initially you know very you know very good you know let's let's set up a meeting you maybe tried a little bit too hard, <laughs> which was quite ironic because I had, I, I didn't think, oh, I must put extra effort into this. I, th I thought I need to do this as naturally as I could, but yeah. I can't deny I was really, really excited. So I probably did come across as over energetic. Mm -hmm. um, so we, um, so he said, yeah, let's have a meeting. I'm going to be at Donington Park in September. September um, 2020 um, come along uh, obviously you need to observe COVID rules so mask and, and what have you uh, so I went up there I'd never been to Donington before um, but it wasn't a particularly hard place to find and mm -hmm. I found him in the commentary box where else <laughs> true um, it's pretty easy to find at Donington Park it's the tower with all the areas on the roof um, and yeah, we basically, he said, you know, come along um, on this particular day, which was the Saturday of, no, bigger pardon, it was the Sunday of the Classic Sports Car Club meeting at Donington for that year. And we just basically nattered. And I asked him an absolute barrage of questions. And um, I, I did also the touristy thing. I photographed and had to look at everything I could possibly look at. But partly so I could have a look at, see what kind of surrounding I would be uh, operating in if I was successful with the Classic Sports Car Club. But also just out of like, oh, wow, look at that. Oh, very nice. Oh, yeah, that, that kind of It is sort of like the Kenneth Williams sort of uh, vernacular <laughs> comes out. Like, oh, mate. Oh, mate. Um, Sorry, we're, we're, like we're showing our age, the pair of us right now. <laughs> I'm Not 42 this year, so uh, I, 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 I'll just bat that one out there. Uh, I, I've always been the elder statesman when it comes to sim racing. I'm very much used to uh, being twice as old as anybody that, that I'm dealing with. Yeah. But um, 
like you know the, like the very first car i saw when I, you know i rolled up parked the car the first thing i saw was a um, astra gte i was like oh that hearts right back to to when i was young you know, I, 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 was I, still I, I still remember the digital dashboards that they used to have in them as well <laughs> the, the instrument clusters a bit like the old audi quattros yeah, not the ur yeah. quattro the audi quattro because the ur was the uh the short wheelbase version of this uh, and this straight away when you said astra gt i was like thinking oh my god two liters 16 valve double overhead <laughs> yes. carbs you, you know, know like literally it's just like <laughs> oh my the, god and, and if people and if people are wondering what the hell an opal manta is have a look at the 24-hour nurburgring stream you'll know exactly what i'm talking about not this manta e concept that Vo uh, the voxel have uh, the opal sorry to think of the, the European <laughs> vernacular of Voxel these days, because uh, I worked in the automotive industry for for, for two decades and, and change. But yeah, like Astra GTE, then then you sort of like see Escort Mark Two two thousands, uh, and it was uh, like oh, yes. I, I I was funny enough this year. I got um I got a I got a message from a good friend of mine, Adam Weller who does a bit of circuit commentary as well. Mm -hmm. And Adam said, what was my availability? Because, and this was, when was it? It was late last year. I had the opportunity to go to, um, I think it was, yeah, it was Snetterson. So we had the British, uh, the BRTA, the British uh, Truck Racing Association, coupled with the Classic Touring Car Championship, the Classic Touring Car Championship Club, that's the uh, BARC that runs those, yeah. yeah. And I could not believe my eyes when I was seeing XJ6s, XJR12s, and then I was I was seeing Anglia and <laughs> Anglias, Minis, Cortinas. Then I, all of a sudden, this thundering thing comes along, and all of a sudden, it's a 1960s Chevy Camaro. I even see a Rover yeah. SD1 V8. And then, and, then, and, then, in there as well. and then to to cap it all off with the biggest diffuser I've seen on a classic car, <clears throat> an Aston Martin V8 from the days of um, what was it? Um, I'm trying to remember now. Timothy Dalton as Bond in the Living Daylights. That kind you, of that kind of Aston I Martin. Can, I can absolutely match that because uh, I just I'll. I'll Hold that thought because I'll come back yes. to that in a minute. Um, so yeah, I, I met Mark at Donington and, and I like I, said, I just asked him an absolute barrage of questions. What does this mean? Yeah, in the event of this, what yeah, I can't remember what I asked him now, but it was absolutely tons of questions. And after that meeting, I then um, the, the, the races were had to begin because uh, I was there in the qualifying sessions and he said, um, I'd love to talk to you more, but I don't want to commentate with the mask on. So I'm going to have to ask you to leave the box. Absolutely fine. You know, <laughs> yeah, that is his office. I was more than happy to to step aside. And I just stood in the stood in the stands and just watched these amazing cars doing battle. The Jaguar Enthusiast, you know, the JEC, the Jaguar Enthusiast Club had a contingent as well. So these beautiful XK, you know, XK8s and XJSs, these gorgeous big cats. And dig. God, you want to talk about loud? <laughs> they were making a fabulous noise. I I, rem I still remember one of the first races I saw, or the, the like, first lead battles I saw from the CSCC was a TVR Griffith 4.6 litre oh. engine, and the Sorry. thing is like this long. It's really short, but dear lord, it made a glorious noise. In that was Nigel and Ollie Rubin, who are very well known in classics, um, classic racing circles, particularly mm -hmm. Nigel Rubin. Um, they were racing Will Plant, who is of BTCC fame. He was in a Morgan. So you had this growling, snarling TVR Griffith being fought with a car from what looked like the 1920s. Um, that had the deepest crap, like almost sounded like a cement mixer. It was a really odd noise coming from this Morgan, but they were absolutely wheel to wheel. Sadly, the Morgan spun and then the Griffith just disappeared. Um, I've actually commentated on Ali on Ollie, um, in sim racing terms as well, as a bit of an aside. Um, uh, anyway, so I had that meeting with Mark, and he 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 said he was very, very surprised that I'd never been other than Silverstone, I'd never been to a race meeting. Um, and a lot of the questions I was asking were 
it was clear I was inexperienced. However, what he was happy about was the fact that almost all of my questions I'd asked were very relevant. It wasn't yeah. really nonsensical rubbish. Um, so my very first chance to commentate for the CSCC was Thruxton, which is my local circuit. Now the lovely calendar... track, I must admit, yes. because I have I that I've now finally ticked that off the bucket list. Oh, excellent! Yeah, excellent. Now it wasn't. It was actually going to be Snetterton uh, with Mark. Uh, however, further COVID restrictions kicked in at the beginning of what is now last year. So all Motorsport Canada's got completely rejuggled, as I'm sure you well remember. Yes, I do. Um, but it, it actually meant for me, I got two bookings that year, not one, because it was just going to be Snetterton to, yeah, and he was going to basically babysit me, in, in a manner of speaking, and, and make sure I, I was all right. But he couldn't join me for um, Thruxton. So I got sent there with Kieran McGinley, no less. Oh, yes. Um, who is and- gonna, who will be featuring on this. Kieran, you've been warned. <laughs> and one Marcus Pye, who has been in motorsport circles for way longer than I've been alive. Um, yeah, that, bl- that bloke's got knowledge. For, for, forget, uh, yeah. forget the London map. Marcus Pye is an absolute, from what I've heard, I've never met the chap, I've wanted to meet the chap, but Marcus Pye has such an Encyclopedia Britannica of motorsport, it is absolutely obscene. You are absolutely correct. He's a lovely guy. He was so nice. He was very, very accommodating. He understood that, that me and Kieran were, well, Kieran has done, done trackside commentaries before. He's done work for Motorsport Vision for MSV. Um, whereas this was my very first time mm-hmm. and it was going to be Marcus in the main commentary box for both days. I was going to be in the pit lane for the Saturday and Kieran in the second commentary box or the chicken shack as oh, well, it's called many names, but not <laughs> all of them. Not all of them are broadcast friendly. Uh, the, the, um, the dog's kennel, possibly. <laughs> <laughs> the fly Sorry, I had to one. put that one out there. <laughs> but you basically, yes, it is a wooden shed on a metal on metal stills. That's all it really is. Um, and Kieran was going to be in the second commentary box on the Saturday, and me and Kieran were going to swap on the side, which is exactly what we did. So we both had an opportunity to commentate and to, to pit lane. And again, that was my first chance of doing pit lane. I really didn't know what to expect. So I had all my notes on my phone, um, and I was doing what I thought was right. And I learned how to do that more effectively by doing it. I'm not wrong, just not in the best way. But however you learn to do any process is by doing it, or certainly for me at least. And that was, I loved it. I was just absolutely enamored. I loved every second of it and trudging around and speaking to the drivers who were absolutely fantastic. I loved nattering to them and they were all very receptive. And um, I still loved like um, seeing like the half million pound transporter with this, this nutter that's got more money than said right <laughs> next to this tiny little tent of this one man, one car, one toolbox. And yeah. um, that was, that's, epitomizes club level racing perfectly you know a way to fix a car gaffer tape gaffer tape and a hammer you know it, it <laughs> sounds it, like another green 24 hour special doesn't it yeah, yeah if the hammer doesn't work find a bigger hammer you know it's, yep. it's sort of this. but they was i'd say uh, the only one person that didn't want to talk to me was he had his head stuck in the in the bonnet so it was like we'll leave you alone i think yeah. um but everyone else was so happy to to natter and kieran blessing was just following me around like a puppy um but i'd done a lot of research into who was who and who drove what because again i i didn't have a lot of the knowledge that would be expected of a commentator you know i couldn't tell you the difference between a triumph tr4 and a ford anglia and a ford escort i can now but i could yeah so much then you know you're talking about cars of before my time um lotus elan another one very common car i could tell you the difference between a, a you know bmw and a you know, porsche 944 but I couldn't tell you the difference between a 944, a 924, a 968, for instance. I probably still couldn't quite get that right. But some, <laughs> of the sto- some of the stories as well you get, for instance, mentioning the 944, that's quite a common car in the CSCC. One of them, uh, one of the families that have uh, this particular type of car has one that David Coulthard drove in the 2011 Valencia Grand Prix build-up. It actually has DC Signature on the nose, 
how awesome is that? You know, that was I, I'm, I'm wondering if there's going to be a story when someone has actually got the Porsche 944, the white one that James May had in Top Gear, and decided <laughs> to make some uh, astute modifications, which uh, you remember like those really, really shoddy looking uh, chest of drawer handles that used to flick mm -hmm. up. Yeah. Well, he'd put some on the inside of his Porsche. On the inside of the door, yes. Yeah, which that. was a bit of a faux pas. So didn't, uh, they, didn't they burn? Didn't they have a fire in their storage there when Top Gear was still those three? I can't remember. Anyway, we're wondering. Well, well I mean, the thing is, at least the, the funny thing is, we there was a 944, right, because you mentioned 924, 944, and 968, because what did we have on that episode of Top Gear? James May had a 944. Richard Hammond had a, had a 924 and Jeremy Clarkson had a 968 which had I think that was a 928 which had 928 um, but a 968 is not too far off of the 959 which was the rally car in Dakar and also oh, was Porsche's that was a monster the old was... Rothmans livery yeah livery, that's the one I remember the Rothmans livery oh yep. what a beast but again just uh, just one of these cars you just look and go oh that Actually, is fabulous. That's that that that's the point. For anyone wondering what the N the nine six eight looks like, uh, I'm going to put. A, a, there's going to be an image between the <laughs> pair of us right about now, and um, it's a, the it's nine a... six eight. So the nine six eight actually was the uh, was the successor to the nine four four. Now the nine two eight was a different car altogether. However, the 968 was produced at Stuttgart in between 1991 and 1995. The, the, uh, the car that actually was the successor to the 968 was the 986, the internal designation for the car commonly known as the Porsche Boxster. And that's another common car. Well, well now it's known as the, a, now it's known of... now it's known either as the seven one eight Boxster or if it's a coupe, it's a seven one eight Cayman. Porsche, yes. why the hell did you do that? Leave it at Bo <laughs> Boxster and Cayman. You do you, you, it's fine with Panamera, Taycan, uh, McCann, um, you know, and also uh, you know the Cayenne. Leave mm -hmm. numbers alone. <laughs> you know, like when you're looking at the 956 group, you know, group C sports cars, which the likes of Stefan Beloff and Derek Bell piloted. Yeah. Stefan Beloff at that time, until his passing, was the record holder for group C around the Nürburgring Nordschleife. That man that was a car. His... That was a car you heard way before you saw. <laughs> yes, indeed. Dear Lord, and what a what a symphony that car would give off. Oh yes. You, you see, we're having man cleanups in aisles three, <laughs> four, five, and six, all at the same time because we're talking unapologetically. About... Unap yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> this is where this is the show where we become ourselves, not the not not the people that you normally hear it and this is why commentators corner is very much a, a refreshing a, not an aperitif it's sort of like the dessert after you've had the aperitif <laughs> and the main course so to speak so uh, you, you understand exactly how our minds work what we're like as people now now chris how easily we derail ourselves <laughs> especially in this conversation because we have exceeded 30 minutes i would imagine probably mm. by the time that we finished recording but it's all about entertaining every single one of you out there mm -hmm. and a big thank you for everyone that is uh, a big thank you first firstly kieran mcginley at the point of recording this episode has subscribed to my youtube channel so has david wrestle you're on my hit list as well buddy because he's also mm -hmm. a fellow commentator there are people in the works and hopefully over the course of 2022 we'll have either zoom calls like we're doing now or we'll actually have one-to-one face-to-face interviews depending on covid19 restrictions however i think it's going to be a zoom call format it works pretty well we're both we're all comfortable we're, you know there's no there's no hiding anything we're just casually attired i'm not asking anyone to come in a dicky bow and you know a, a dicky bow and a tuxedo no i'm never going to ask people to do that because that's not the whole that's not the point that's not the point um chris i have to ask one big question and this is a question i unfortunately forgot to ask jack canon 
commentators, who are your top? I know it's going to be difficult, but who would you say are the top three most inspirational commentators to you personally? Ooh. I know it's like saying choosing children, but that's why I didn't want to say one particular individual. You can go more than top three if you want. If you want to extend it to top five, be my guest. Oh, um, Crofty was definitely one of them. Uh, I identified with uh, Crofty because as I was getting more traction in commentary terms, pun fully intended, um, I found my style leaning towards the play-by-play um, broadcaster type rather than the, the colour analytical type, yeah. uh, which is, of course, what um, Crofty's more known for. So it's not... I, Early on, I did, and not so much copied him, but modelled how I did my commentary similar to, to how he does his. Yeah. But I found that, uh, obviously, when my own style started to form, it, it ended up being comparable to that anyway. Um, so Crofty was definitely an, an inspiration to me. Um, but also looking at presentation styles. Um, another story that... that I won't go into huge depth with anything because we've we've been going a while. Um, no, no. But, if you um, need to look, this is your opportunity to 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 give your reasoning. So the floor is yours, Mister Buxton. Um, a gentleman called Golden Boy or Alex Mendez uh, is his real name. Uh, he's an American presenter that's worked with the likes of um, Dwayne Johnson uh, mm-hmm. over in the states. Um, I he was involved in Rocket League presenting when I was kind of looking at how to get into things and how he kind of took the floor his presence was something I found very inspirational as well kind of what you were saying earlier Alex about mixing your own style with humour but but still kind of maintaining that professionalism the, the I'm here to do a job but let's have a bit of fun with it anyway that kind of yeah. um, modus operandi um, I took influence from here, and I did. I have actually met Alex Mendez. He, um, I've done some uh, production work for McLaren, actually at McLaren HQ, and yeah, that's a fabulous site. <laughs> it really is. You, you know I'm what? Just... Out of all the things that I'm really jealous of, this man that he's got to the MTC before I did. Well, I haven't got to the actual MTC. It was their conference center? But either way, it was. It's close, it's close enough. enough. And, <laughs> and as a McLaren fan, it was just like. I'm a McLaren. I'm a McLaren. I'm a McLaren. And they're really strict on taking photographs as well. So, um, but I, I was there twice and I'm, I didn't get the chance to, to speak to Alex on the first occasion, but I definitely had that, you know, that moment when somebody you either you really look up to or a very famous person or, or generally both when they, they get close to you and that just kind of moment of, Oh my God, it's them. And there, there's that kind of almost fear. That, yeah. that grips you the air just disappears out of your lungs and your brain just disappears out of your head you know that kind of frozen moment he walked past me in the corridor and I was like oh, no, no, no. <laughs> that kind of moment and I didn't get a chance to speak to him and I was kicking myself on the first occasion and then we did the second um about two months later we did the, the second outing and I was right up to the end of, of the so we'd done the broadcast everyone was congratulating each other and I was just kicking myself. Again, Kieran was there. That's actually where I first met Kieran, was at that um, right. uh, at that event, I just realised. Yeah, that's where I very first met Kieran McGinley. And now I was kicking myself because I really wanted to meet him. And I remember me and Kieran went out to my car because um, Kieran's bag was in my car. So we, we grabbed that. Uh, on the way back into the building, because I was like, oh, well, I may as well just say my goodbye. It's like half past 10 at night. I had an hour and a half drive home um, or something like that. And he, there he was having an answer to his co-commentator in the corridor. And it was very much, it's now or never. Um, and I did, I introduced myself to him. I said, I'm a really big fan. And I'm like grinning my head off, my grins out here. Um, Kieran actually took a picture of us. Um, I said, oh, do you mind if we take a selfie? He said, no, no, not at all. He was a lovely guy. He was you know, really you know what I'm going to ask? Talking. I'm going to ask for that picture, please. It's if on you, my Twitter somewhere. You've got to go back a while. I, to find okay, it. right. I'm so as part of this editing process, I do look for <laughs> indiscriminate pictures. So you'll probably see that picture right about now. And when um, 
I, I can't give you a reaction at the minute because I haven't seen said picture. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's a fantastic story. I though. was absolutely exhausted because we'd been going for several days and mm-hmm. um, it was very late at night and I was absolutely knackered. So you see in the picture, my eyes are like by my feet. <laughs> I was so tired. <laughs> Um, but yeah. I was just grinning my head off because I'd met essentially a um, he, was, he was an idol basically. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they kind of say never meet your heroes, but he was so nice, he was really, really nice. And I remember um, making him laugh, and that's one of my lasting memories. I, I actually got him to laugh, which sounds a bit daft, but those kind of memories, because I'm someone that, that likes to make people happy, you know, I don't like to entertain but amuse and. And so if I make someone laugh, it, it's important to me. Um, and I managed to make him laugh. Uh, I'm actually scrolling through my Twitter to see if I can find it whilst talking to uh, you. Right. Um, can you just remind me remind me of the month and year, please? No, because <laughs> I can't remember. You can't uh, remember. I can't remember how many years ago it was. I, I will find it. I will come across it. Um, but I, I, he'd, done a, um, he'd done a video of when he was working with Dwayne Johnson and he said, he said the phrase of, this is where I get my fitness on. He was talking about his trailer. Um, and I remember his, we, were, um, we were just walking back down. You know, we were basically just heading back to where everybody else was. And uh, I said, does anybody ever come up to you and say, this is where I get my fitness on? And he found that hilarious. <laughs> I just asked him that question. Um, but yeah, that was brilliant. I managed to meet him. Um, oh, Struth. Yeah, I, I'm still scrolling. I can't find. I can't find. Well, I'll else. scroll. You you concentrate on the. So on the so 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 we've now we've had Crofty. So we've had two out of the five. So who's number three? Out of the, out of the five. Um, or well, if you want to make it three, or make it five, it's up to um, you. Like I said, that I I don't want people to be denied of certain information that you want you don't want to withhold, and so blurt it out, mate. Come on. <laughs> that's the whole point um, of this show it is the whole point of the show um i've now actually found it so i will send that across to you uh, <laughs> oh dear um, you, you got through there quicker than i did because like literally well, i knew what of, i was looking for in fairness uh, you know you know what was funny though the amount of gifts that i've seen on chris's timeline is absolutely ridiculous <laughs> oh there's tons of those yeah which is because i'm not a big oh yes yes I know, I know exactly yeah that picture um, is absolutely priceless, and that is actually <laughs> pre-beard as well. So, Golden Boy having oh, the, the, beard, the beard comes and goes. It, it, it does come it and be, go. Yeah, it depends but that depends on how often. <laughs> that depends on how often you get the cutthroat razor out, Chris. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, I, I, I tied myself up for that. You'll notice I'm in the smarts in that picture as well. That was January 19. No, must have been older than that. I did. I, I just copied it across. Uh, oh no, it was January nineteen. Beg your pardon. Yes. Yeah, okay, so a couple of years. So two years so ago. Three years ago. Three years ago. Uh, three years ago. 20, Bloody 22. hell! What am I thinking? Twenty twenty one. It's twenty twenty two. Goldschmidt, come on. So yeah. Okay. Um, who else? I mean, come on. Please tell me there's one <sighs> particular. Please tell me Murray is on this list. Ah, oh, the late great Murray Walker. I did. I did take a lot of inspiration from Murray. However, I will be honest that I looked more towards Crofty. And the only reason that that was the case, Murray certainly was, Murray was very important to me growing up because that was where, you know, that that was the voice I tuned into. Uh, It it certainly wasn't James Hunt. (laughs) Um, Um, No, especially with the Rene Arnoux and Turbo discussion where uh, Mr. Hunt. I remember it well, which we cannot repeat here. (laughs) <laughs> yes, that would be bleed straight away. Yes, or or, um, or muted, whichever you prefer, ladies and gentlemen. Um, so so yeah, Murray, so Murray, yeah, Murray, very much. I think that Murray, in some respects, he was the voice that we both heard when we were growing yes. up with Formula One. When you had the likes of Patrese, PK, uh, Keke Rosberg, Nicky mm. Lauda, Alain Prost, Ma- Ayrton yeah, Senna. The list goes on and on yeah. and on. Ralph and Michael Schumacher, Jacques Villeneuve, Juan Pablo Montoya, Mika Hakkinen. Um, the names, the lists could go on for as long as both my forearms, both my legs, and then some. <laughs> probably the whole body. 
Um, just but yeah. wanna, I, I just want to come back to what I coming back to kind of my comments you saw because there is there is something I want to add. Um, oh, okay, go for it. So, did Thruxton love that? Did Snetterton? That's actually on the Classic Sports Car Club website. <laughs> This isn't the point I wanted to make, but I'm going to make it anyway. I made it a wonderful faux pas. I worked with Chaz Draycott. He's fantastic. Oh, the Cheshire wonder. Yes, indeed. I have as well. And I had my brother in the box with me. He was actually handing me notes. Um, Like he handed me one note of a a mini um, that's red and yellow in colour. And he, he said, the car is nicknamed Noddy. I thought that was brilliant. That was one of the best notes my brother gave me that day. Um... But I made a I made a faux pas that's going to live with me to my dying day, and it's on the it's on the YouTube it's on the Classic Sports Car Club YouTube site, and I reference it anyway, so I'm not going to let it die. I, I I'm sure you've had this as well when you're in you're in the zone, you're in the moment, but sometimes yeah. your brain models up two sentences and they both oh. try and come out at once. Yes, um, I modelled up the sentences: stretch your legs and uh, so stretch. Yeah, stretch your legs and open the throttle, and you can figure out what sentence I actually came out with. <laughs> stretch the throttle and open your. Uh, that's it was the right. latter I yes. came out with. Yes, uh, it's quite point... it's, it, it's quite funny uh-huh. because I'm going to make a reference to two points where I accidentally said from second to fourth, where he's actually jumped up from second to fourth. I actually right. went from fourth to second. And then Chaz Draycott will remember this because he helped produce me on the Bambino Kart Club last year. And he said, oh, said something. And he said, uh, just say, you know, just thanks courtesy of Chaz Draycott Media. And the howl of laughter when I absolutely name check Chaz on the stream as well. Um, We were talking because he'd been doing Renault Clio Cup um, Mm -hmm because obviously he's been doing that last year and Chaz has also made the transition and I am going to try and get the man, the myth, the legend on this um, sorted out. Awesome. Because I'm going to talk to him about that weekend because he was doing Renault Sport, you know, Renault Sport Clio Cup over in Europe, but he, because of travel restrictions, and I'm not even going to start with him about PCR tests because his first trip over was an absolute minefield for him. And he was not a happy bunny because I had to actually talk to him about it. Um, and uh, that will all be sorted out. So, yeah, it's it's going to be uh, it's going to be a case of we are going to have plenty of guests. I mean, Chris, we're going to have mm-hmm. to wrap it up now. But I have one final question. Out of every single commentary, and I know this is going to be a tough one, what has been one of your biggest highlights in commentary? Sure. Um, In commentary terms, it was probably when I... It was probably Formula One Challenges when when I was involved with that. It It was so good to be able to talk about the very best in in F1 esports uh, and the, the close rating is insane and it's only gotten closer over the years. But before we wrap it up, the, the, the point I wanted to make was um, something I'm very regularly asked is about um, starting blocks, how people get into this. When I yeah. was managing commentators at AOR, it was, this was a regular point. Um, and I would generally say, start small and find your style is, yeah. is essentially how you do it. Don't be afraid to try it. And the, here is a point I wanted to try and make. I, towards the tail end of last year, I've I have had some uh, pretty pretty rough time. I um, I actually had a, a mini stroke, uh, which saw me in hospital for several days. And also two weeks later, after getting back from Cadwell Park, I had COVID. So and that was I, on the and that was on the week when we had GTR twenty four H where you. Was. Uh, where Chris, and I have to give this man the absolute 100% biggest shout out at all, because there was myself, Kieran McGindley, Yusuf Bin Sahail, David Christie. We were all in Denmark and Chris was laid low with COVID. And still, Chris joined the broadcast. And that just goes to show that despite being hit with one of the biggest um, viruses in the last 
century, <laughs> this man still hand on heart, I have to give him all the credit. And this is this is this is why I respect Chris. Because he is passionate, he is driven, he's motivated, and I've worked alongside him many a time um, before. You've even jumped in uh, for the E-Team Bridge GT Challenge whilst I was away for one of the rounds when Yusuf had connection issues and you had to jump in at, la- at last notice, which was great. And you had a fantastic time commentating with our good buddy, Mr. David Christie. This just goes to show that Motorsport commentary might be our job, but it's something that we are passionate, enthusiastic about. And like you say, Chris, you know, having the starting blocks, how to go about things, making sure you're prepared, make sure you're there on time or early. Do freebie work. I did freebie work for like three to four years before I started getting paid gigs. And that was in Mm. in 2017. Um, Chris. Thank you very much for being part of Commentator's Corner episode three, buddy. And I'm looking forward to us working together at some point in 2022 and beyond. Thank you very much for joining me here, mate. Likewise, my friend. So that's it. Commentator's Corner, a very lengthy episode, courtesy of my special guest this evening, Chris Buxton. Don't forget, if you haven't already, uh, I, I don't like doing this often, but if you do want to give this video a like, put a comment down below and maybe... You might find someone that you know of that you've heard commentate here on Commentators Corner. Thank you very much for tuning in here and uh, we'll see you on episode number four. Until then, goodbye for now.